Hello everyone, this is Deborah Richardson and today I am putting the AP in Happy where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. This podcast will give a voice to accounts payable team members by talking about the growing reality of cyber attacks in their world and which vendor setup and vendor management techniques they can apply to protect the vendor master file from fraud. Visit the Vendor Process Training Center to enroll in your choice of 55 plus training sessions that will help you and your team avoid fraud, compliance fines, and bad vendor data. Or just sign up to get access to Vendor Process FAQs and to attend weekly drop-in live Q&A sessions. Visit training.deborahrrichardson.com today. The link will be in the show notes. The Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, or FDIC, shut down and took over Silicon Valley Bank on Friday, March 10th, 2023. So what does that have to do with you? Well, it could mean a lot of work. Keep listening. Welcome to episode 229, Bank Failures, Mergers, and Acquisitions, What the Vendor Team Must Do. So if some of you don't already know, I have a vendor process training center, which is really a new site that I uh, stood up, published, I don't know, made active early in January, probably late last week in December of 2022. And so that's the uh, platform that I use for all the vendor trainings. And I've got, I don't know, um, 107 different training sessions every year. Cause I have like the Wednesday, Thursday live sessions. And then I also have uh, Q and a sessions that I do every Friday and every Friday I am on from 12 to 2 Eastern time. And really anyone that signs up to the platform can join because it's a free session, right? You just enroll in it. It's no cost. And you can come on, just ask your question. I'm going to be there the whole two hours, but you don't need to be there the whole two hours. You can jump on, ask your question, and then go on about your day. Now, uh, you may think that I do that just for, you know, the benefit and value of the users or team members or training past members that I have. And yes, I do do it for that reason. But I also learn so much from you guys based on the questions that you ask. So I get to understand what you're going through uh, in the vendor setup and maintenance process. And I learned a lot during the last two or three years, and I'm sure you can understand why. Uh, but today I learned something else new. Uh, we, I had a 
uh, training pass member actually come on and um, she didn't stay on long, but she had a question about the fact that there was a bank that failed and the bank that failed was in uh, her state of California and wanted to know, is there anything special that they needed to do? Well, that was a great question. And it all, it all uh, also was an enlightenment for me because I didn't realize that a uh, bank had failed. Um, this was some um, news that had come out that had just come out. And so I thought it would be great to uh, talk about it over a podcast because there is some things that that uh, you will want to take into consideration and some steps that you will want to take. And so let me go ahead and just kind of get started with that. I do want to say though, that I typically have this saying um, when I talk to clients or anyone about banks or uh, banks that are in your vendor master file, I say that banks are acquired or merged all the time. And then I go on to talk about, you know, what steps they need to take when that happens. But now I will change what I say to banks fail, are acquired or merged all the time after this recent story. And thank you, Lauren, for letting me know uh, in the New York Times and probably also on most major news outlets. Um, but the title of this article for the New York Times is Silicon Valley Bank Fails After Run by Venture Capital Customers. And so there, that reminded me that they, in addition to banks being merged or acquired, banks also failed or also can fail. And so when that happens, uh, there are some additional steps to take. And this is a great example because the FDIC closed this bank. And so they also at the same time created a new bank. And for the Silicon Valley Bank, the new bank that the FDIC has created is the National Bank of Santa Clara. Uh, and that bank was created to hold the deposits and assets of the failed one. And so that was per this article. And I am going to leave a link in the show notes um, for the article in case you want to read it. But what that really means for the vendor team is that the routing number has changed, right? Um, at least the routing number has changed. It also could mean that the bank account number has changed as well. Uh, but I won't know that until I do some research and this bank won't even be available until like four days from now. So while I can't give specific routing number information for this particular scenario, I can give you the steps that you need to take and also what you need to watch out for when banks fail, when they are acquired and when they are merged that will change the bank's routing number and may also change the vendor's bank account number that you have on file in the vendor master file. So I'm actually going to separate or categorize the uh, those steps based on two different ways that is going to trigger a change. So the first way uh, is non-vendor team related. So I guess that's a push. 
And then the second way is the vendor team initiated, which I guess is a pull if I said that right. So in one scenario, the first one, you're getting uh, requests. And then the second one, you are actually initiating and making changes separately from a request. All right. So the requests that you can get, um, one is because the bank has changed or maybe even the vendor's bank account number has changed along with the routing number, the vendor then is going to submit or should submit to you a change in banking information. And I do recommend that if the bank account has changed versus only the routing number that you go through your normal process for vendor bank change requests. And so hopefully that has some authentication techniques, internal controls, and best practices uh, in that process so that you don't change uh, uh, valid vendor banking into fraudulent vendor banking. And keep in mind the frosters, they saw this too. So they may even initiate some fraudulent email requests to try to, uh, to try to get in on might be the, you know, increased requests that you get. Uh, and so make sure that you have some, some, uh, your process in place to avoid fraud. Now, if you need that, please go to my training site. I have a great actually um, training session that I do called the Bank of of AP. And I really talk about how to surround that confirmation call uh, for bank changes with authentication uh, techniques and internal controls. And so I'm going to leave a link to that in the show notes uh, in case you need to uh, put that into place if you don't already have it in the place to make sure you don't have fraud during this, what could be an increase in vendor request to change banking, uh, that whole process. All right. So you could receive an increase in the number of requests to change banking that's going to come from your vendors. That's one. And the other side is that if the vendors do not send you that request, either to change your routing number and or their bank account number, then at the time that you make your vendor's next payment, that information, the old banking details is going to go off to the bank and the bank is going to do either one of two things. They're either going to change that information uh, to the new information, right? Maybe they only change the routing number. So they're going to make that change uh, internally so that the vendor's payment will post successfully. Uh, And when that happens, they are then going to... uh, Uh, send that information to your bank and your bank is going to send you a notice of change, which really means uh, that they are letting you know that the vendor's bank had to make a change in order to post that or uh, make that ACH payment or wire payment successful. And that is your notification, right? That you need to go and update their vendor Uh, their vendor record. And so they can do that um, depending on the bank 
with both the routing number and then they can also do it with a bank account number. But typically that is only when your vendor's bank uh, or your vendor uh, is banking with the same bank and they just change their account, uh, their bank account number. So same routing number, same bank, they change your bank account number for whatever reason. If they don't tell you that and you send the old bank account over, then they may change that. Um, but the point is, is that when you get that notice of change or NOC, we used to call them knock, uh, knocks, but when you get those, then you have to initiate, uh, either sending a request to the vendor to change your banking. If it includes the bank account number or just updating the routing number if that was the only change. So you may get that, uh, NOC that will indicate that in this case, right, Silicon Valley's bank uh, has changed uh, their routing number uh, to the National Bank of Santa Clara. But I have to tell you, I don't know if that will happen uh, or not in this case because the bank failed. But just know that you may get uh, increased NOCs. And when you do get those, you have to resolve those uh, in a timely fashion because if the banks are making the change in order for the payment to uh, post successfully, they're not going to do that forever. And if you don't make that change, then your company could uh, have a NACHA violation, which could uh, mean some type of a fine or a penalty. So you can get those knocks back. You can also get, and I don't remember if they're on the same um, knock form or not, but if the information was not valid and the vendor's bank did not change it, then that ACH payment is not going to be successful. And that is going to trigger you then to go back to the vendor again and ask them to update, go through your process to update their banking. So those are really the two scenarios, um, maybe even three, where the you're going to receive a request that's going to um, be the trigger for you to either update the file or go to update the vendor record or go uh, to the vendor to get them to submit whatever you require for an update. And just to summarize, those three are uh, if the vendor reaches out and asks for a change in banking, uh, if you receive a NOC from the bank that says that they had to make a change in order for the payment to be successful, and then three, if there was a uh, payment failure, like the ACH was unsuccessful, you may get that back in a separate notification as well. All right, so now to talk about the uh, second set, which is where the vendor team initiates changes. And this is actually something that I recommend as part of the eight steps to clean your vendor master file. Um, it's one of the steps. Uh, and it is also uh, something that I recommend that you you do on a monthly basis. And if you can't do it monthly, you do it on a quarterly basis. If you can't do it quarterly, then you do it on a semi-annual 
uh, basis. And then if you can't do it on a semi-annual basis, then you at least do it once a year. And that is right. Cleaning your vendor master file. And so of those eight steps, uh, validating the vendor bank account information is one of them. Now there are two steps to validating the vendor uh, bank account information. One is if you have the ability, have some type of subscription to uh, early warning or maybe the GAIAC platform or another platform that uses uh, early warning as a reseller like GAIAC does, but it's in some of the vendor self-registration tools that are out there. If you have that, then you want to, uh, when you clean your vendor master file, just recheck, right? Revalidate and make sure that that information is valid. Now I get that uh, if you have that, you many people probably or accounts payable teams aren't looking to do that on a um, monthly, quarterly, annual basis because uh, usually it costs, but I guess it depends on what plan you have. If you, uh, if it's not something that is, uh, is going to increase your cost by checking it more than once per year, uh, then I would say, go ahead and do it. But I do recommend that you check, uh, you check it at least once per year. So that's one, you can check bank account ownership. And that means that you're checking to verify that the vendor's legal name equals the bank account holder's name, and maybe even the tax ID that was used to open up that account. Now, the other side or the second step of this is the bank branch details. So I always suggest, and again, this used to be um, based on the fact that uh, vendor banks or banks merged and are acquired all the time, but now I'm going to add banks fail, are merged and acquired all the time. Uh, you need to make sure the routing numbers are still valid. And when I say routing numbers, I mean U.S. and international. So it could be uh, the ABA routing numbers from the Federal Reserve Board where you can check those, or it could be routing numbers from Canada and you can check on the Payments Canada site, or it could be a routing number from a non-U.S. bank that does not have, or that country does not require an IBAN. So you have a bit code. And so I do recommend that you validate uh, the bit code uh, as well. And you can do that on the SWIFT network. And so all three of those uh, should be checked based on your uh, vendors. So that's something that I do recommend that you do. And if you need links to those, always in the show notes for these podcast episodes, I have a link to the vendor validation reference list. And that list has a uh, links to resources to validate information. And I've got a section for bank account information and all three of them are there. So if you need to download that, please do that. Uh, please click the link in the show notes. But when you check for the routing numbers, that's going to pull in all of the mergers, acquisitions, and failures because the routing numbers are not going, no longer going to be valid. Now, the bad news is that I don't know of a way uh, other than, um, actually, I don't know if that does it either. I don't know of a way to upload like in bulk all of the 
routing numbers. Let's take US, for example. I don't know a way to upload upload all of the US routing numbers and validate that they are still good. When I check routing numbers, and I do have some clients where I do vendor master file cleanups, and so I will check the routing numbers to make sure they're still good. But I only know of a way to key it in you know, separately that look up on a one-by-one basis. Again, either with the Federal Reserve Board, with Payments Canada, uh, and with SWIFT. And even with Payments Canada, uh, there's no keying in unless something has changed in the last month or so. Uh, You have to download PDFs and then check against that. So that's the way that I currently do it. There is to my knowledge, no way to up do a bulk upload or uh, so you don't have to do the one by one lookup. But what I do is I will just save it in an Excel spreadsheet. And then uh, if things change, I can update that spreadsheet. But in any event, uh, so I will do that on a one by one basis. And then for any vendor banks that have changed, the good news is that a lot of vendors share those same banks, right? And so you don't have to do a one by one of each vendor. You do a one by one lookup of each vendor bank, and then you take that vendor bank uh, routing number and you update the remaining vendors. And I, this is one that I think is very key because the vendors don't uh, may not pay attention that you need, they need to give you the information and tell you that their routing numbers have changed. They're notified, especially in mergers or acquisitions, and I'm sure especially in banks too, uh, if the routing number is going to stay the same, but they are notified. Now, whether or not they think you need to know, that's a whole separate thing. But if only the routing number changes and their bank account number doesn't change, they don't often think that you need to have that information. And so it's really key to do this step when you clean your vendor master file. And again, I recommend you do it monthly, quarterly, semi-annually, and at the very least on an annual basis. So when you find these routing numbers that are no longer valid, you will search for the correct um, bank name, the correct uh, routing number, and then you uh, can update your vendor's record, right? You do not have to have permission from the vendor to update their information because if they haven't given you the change for a bank account, it is likely that um, only the routing number changed. Now, if for whatever reason the vendor's banking changed completely, maybe they went and changed to a different bank, then they should have let you know that anyway. You're still updating that bank's routing number or whomever or whatever bank that bank became. Uh, And so if that changed, then your uh, vendor should have let you know because at that point, the bank account number should have changed as well. All right, so that is the vendor team initiated request or initiated change for vendor banking that is normally found during the cleanup or vendor master file cleanup process. And just to answer that question very straightly here that I know some people are still asking or listeners are still asking is when my vendor's bank's routing number changes, do I need to reach out to the vendor or can I just make that change? And my recommendation is that 
if the routing number is the only thing that changed or only thing that you know that has changed, then you can make that uh, change yourself. You do not have to reach out to the vendor. However, if the vendor's bank account number has changed, then you have to reach out to the vendor and you have to go through your process to update the vendor's banking. All right, so I hope it answered that question. And if it didn't, and if you have more follow-up questions or different questions about anything else, be sure to sign up or register on the Vendor Process Training Center. That link is also in the show notes. And you can come every Friday or any Friday from 12 to 2 Eastern time, ask your question, and then just go on about your day. So thanks, everyone. I hope you enjoyed the 229th episode of the Putting the AP in Happy podcast, where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. Don't forget to check the show notes for the links mentioned in the podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing and writing a review of my podcast on the platform that you use to listen. Stay happy.